tonight I get the honour to talk to us about the Azusa Street Revival. Now, you might have heard about this one other time. Um, and it's so sometimes difficult when you search revivals because God has done so much, so many amazing things. So I tried my best to just compact it into a bit of a smaller thing tonight. But I also didn't want to compact God and what He did. So um, I have quite a bit to share. And with that in mind, um, I'm going to start by sharing a Scripture in the Bible. And it's in Daniel 4 verse 2. Now, this isn't actually to do with the revival, but it's just a bit of a preface for us tonight. And it says this, Daniel 4 verse 2. The King Nebuchadnezzar says, uh, It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the highest God has performed for me. Now, some context around that Scripture is that this moment, God has actually done some amazing things in the Bible, right? He's done some amazing three things in the life of three people, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You might have heard of them. And what happens is that King Nebuchadnezzar has just seen these amazing things happen. He's just had a heart transformation within himself. And this moment goes on that he can't help but tell people the testimony of what God has done. He starts to tell everyone that he has influence with, saying that it is his pleasure to tell them about the miraculous signs and wonders that the highest God has performed. Tonight, my heart for this message is the exact same as that. That tonight, as I get to have influence with us as a church, it is my honour and my privilege to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that our highest God has performed. Specifically in Los Angeles in 1906 till 1915. Now with that, I um, wanted to do a bit of a prelude to tonight because it's super important, super important as we do this series, that we don't come in thinking this is a nice story about something that might have happened. This is truth. This is a historical truth that we get to come together tonight. Yes, it is inspirational, but the reality is we have to take it as what God has done and what God can do. Something that um, we need to know a bit about culturally around the time before I talk about this revival. Um, Some things to know is that racial tensions in this time of 1906 were very, very high. Disunity within the church was apparent with division of races, doctrines, and the division of roles of women in the church at that time as well, but also just in life. Now with that in mind, let's talk about the Azusa Street Revival. So it happened in 1906 and it was a Pentecostal revival led by a guy named William J. Seymour. He was a one-eyed African-American preacher who was the second of eight children born to parents who were freed from slavery. Seymour, he spent a lot of his time growing up. He worked on plantations uh, and he actually lacked an education. So he taught himself a lot of what he knew through the Bible himself. And even from a young age, this guy named William J. Seymour, he had a hunger in his heart. He had a drawing to spiritual things and he experienced visions from a young age. God put visions within him and he actually began to research and look into the return of Jesus from a young age. His life was on a spiritual search, a very big spiritual search that would take him to places and lead him to make decisions that many people around him would not expect, that the people that knew him might've even judged him for, but it also led him to the Azusa Street Revival. See, the Azusa Street Revival, it was actually seen as a catalyst revival for the Pentecostal movement, amen. That is us. If you're not aware, we're a Pentecostal church and it was an absolute catalyst moment for the Pentecostal revival in the 20th century. 
And this was right after the Welsh revival, which I'm sure you'll hear about sometime soon. And uh, William actually, he went to Los Angeles and he had applied to be a preacher, a pastor. And he rocked up to this church and um, he preached his first Sunday. And then he came back next Sunday and the church had locked the doors on him. The church put padlocks on the doors and they didn't let him back in because he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in that time, the church elders rejected his teaching. They locked the doors and they said, no, 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 that's not for us. But the thing was that not all the church members actually rejected his teaching. And some of the church members allowed him to come and stay with him. So he was at a house and what happens was that he started leading just a small Bible study and a bit of a prayer meeting. And uh, this prayer meeting attracted about 15 people. Not many, just 15 to start. And the Bible study and the prayer meeting, it started to grow, right? And William actually relocated to another house at the time. And this was exactly the moment when these Bible studies and these prayer meetings, they started to kind of spread. They started to grow on passion and excitement. And what happened that was amazing at the time was that it actually started to attract white families to come into the house of this African-American man. An amazing, significant moment where white families drew into the presence of God, completely counterculture to the day and age. These meetings, they were passionate. They were full of devotion unto God. And then something happened. At these prayer meetings, these simple prayer meetings of about 15 people, what happened was on the 9th of April in 1906, five weeks after they had started, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they started to talk in other languages, meaning tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit fell upon them in a house that was run down. From a prayer meeting of about 15 people, it led to an infilling of the Holy Spirit. See, as this grew, the group discovered an available building and it was 312 Azusa Street. And it was in downtown Los Angeles. The rent of this building was $8 a month. What a time to be alive. $8 a month. And it was a two-story building. It was said to be a bit of a tumble down shack. It was 18 metres long and it was 12 metres wide. They held their first meeting there on the 14th of April in 1906. Something that started from a man that was locked out of a church for talking about the Holy Spirit, ended up having a bunch of people go to a church building to be able to rent it out to hold gathering meetings. The first meeting, 14th of April, 1906. Within about three months, God had started to shake something up. And three months later, there was anywhere from 300 to 1,500 people trying to gather around an outside of a rundown building, trying to fit inside this building all to hear what God was doing, all just to be a part of what was happening. See, this was a place where people could come of every background, whether they were men, women, children, black, white, Asian, rich, poor, everyone could freely come into this environment and worship God something that at that time was not very common. See, and as the news started to spread about the power of God moving in this church, people came from all over. People came and started to gather in to hear what was going on, to see the miraculous signs and wonders that God was doing in the house. 
People were finding restoration with one another. They were getting healing physically. They were having testimony after testimony of people speaking in tongues, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to share a testimony tonight about a man named Alfred Goodrich Gar. What a name. Alfred Goodrich Gar. And this was a man that found himself at the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. He was 29 years old and he said he is said to be the first white American preacher to be filled with the Spirit. Documented from what I found, the first white American preacher. And this is his testimony, a powerful one about repentance and then being filled with the Spirit. We're gonna read along. It should come up on the Big Bible too. And it says this, As Alfred sought the fullness of God's Spirit, the Lord whispered into his heart and he said, Do you remember that fuss or that argument that you had with your fellow minister? He replied, Yes, I will go and fix that right now. He left the building on Azusa Street and he jumped on his bicycle and he rode all the way across town to the minister's house. There he said, Brother, you know that fuss that we had? Yes, well, I want you to forgive me. The preacher answered, All right. So Alfred rode his bicycle back to the meeting and waited for God's power to come upon him. Finally, God spoke to him and said, you do not really love that brother. And Alfred replied, Lord, I will go back and ask him to forgive me again. So out he went and he rode his bicycle to the other side of Los Angeles. And he cried, brother, please forgive me for the fuss that we had several months ago. The preacher answered, why? I told you this morning that I have forgave you. What is the matter with you? And Alfred said, but I really want you to forgive me. The preacher replied, I will, I forgive you. They shook hands. Alfred got on his bicycle and he hurried back to the meeting, expecting the power of God to come upon him. But one more time, the Lord spoke to him. He said, you do not really love that brother. And Alfred cried. He said, Lord, I will go back and ask him to forgive me again. He went to the preacher's house, but this time his spirit was broken in repentance. As he started to walk up, the preacher saw him and began to smile. Alfred placed his arms around the minister's shoulders and he began to cry. He sobbed, please forgive me for the fuss that we had. The brother began to weep also. He said, I want you to forgive me too, for I did not act like a Christian. When Alfred got on his bicycle and returned to the meeting, he felt like a bit of honey had been deposited into his soul. He never felt so wonderful. It felt like spring had sprung within him. And back at the meeting, Alfred felt the power of God as he had never felt in his life. The Lord told him that he would soon receive the experience that he had been seeking. What an amazing testimony about repentance, about unity, about coming before God, allowing Him to speak to you, to resolving the issue that you have with your brother or sister or Christ. Something that's so powerful is that he was 29 years old. 29 years old. I feel like for some of us in the room tonight, you need to understand that it doesn't matter about the age that you are. It just matters that you and God have a close proximity relationship to hear Him when He is speaking. 29 years old. See, this testimony is one of true and genuine repentance, of seeking a pure heart unto God. And Alfred went on, he went to do amazing things. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then he went on to bring Pentecostalism into the world, into China, into India, preaching the message of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
See, this move of God was started from an understanding of the power of God, amen? Through praying and believing for God to pour His Spirit out. Through a spiritual hunger, all started from a man, a one-eyed black American preacher whose parents were slaves, started from a place of a man just wanting to encounter God. I believe this was a revival that brought repentance, healing, and also unity. It brought unity to people. The Holy Spirit's presence and empowerment brought a supernatural unity that transcended the culture, language, social status, and doctrine of that age. See, William Seymour, he knew that there was more. See, more for his life and what he was doing, but more for the life of people around him. See, as we do this series, Remnant to Revival, it is a stirring of faith within us as the body of believers to believe that when we read a testimony of what God has done, that there is nothing that should stand in the way of us believing that He can do it now. Like you might be like, yeah, yeah, but it's a bit of a different age now. They had racial tensions. They had disunity within the world. They had so many issues that we face today. It's just a bit different. The reality is that God did pour His Spirit out and it brought a unity like never before. Like never before. A scripture in Joel 2 verse 28, it says, the Lord will pour out His Spirit. That's the heading. And 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour my Spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. The Lord will pour His Spirit out. See, the main heart that it appears God wanted to do in the Azusa Street Revival was to pour His Spirit out and bring people to a place of repentance and unity. I can't think of anything more applicable for us today as Christians. For us to come before God with a heart of repentance and to know that unity in the body of believers is more important now than ever before. A united front. You might have a different favourite colour to me, but as long as we both love Jesus, we're on the same mission. We're in it together with a heart of unity, knowing God, would you pour your spirit out for the sake of a lost city that needs to encounter you. Repentance and unity. And I believe that is God's heart even now more than ever. Church, it has been my pleasure tonight to stand before you and tell you of the miraculous signs and wonders that were done in the Azusa Street Revival. But my biggest encouragement for all of us tonight is that you would know that God has done great things and that God is continually doing great things. That in your future, God has great things. That right now He wants to be able to bring to life in you more than you know. God has more. He wants to fill you with more. Reassure you for more. Speak to you more and use your life for more. See the word revival, it has a few meanings. Revival is to turn a sinner to Christ for salvation. It's to bring a life once again. And it's also renewal. It is a renewal. Tonight, I really do believe as I prayed, as I prepped, as I, as I was before God this week, believing what was gonna happen in the house tonight, I believe God wants to renew you. He wants to renew your spirit. If you're discouraged, this is your moment for renewal. He wants to renew fire in people's hearts to believe for the lost again. 
He wants to renew a passion within you that, yes, your calling might be difficult, but it's not done. He wants to renew people in the house tonight. A renewing of passion, a renewal of body of believers in unity. As I was praying this week, I really felt that renewal is the key for someone's eternity. And what I mean by that is I feel like there is people that we need to resolve issues with because they're ready for Jesus to encounter them. I know I went through a season of life where I had a tension with my brother and I was a bit nervous to talk to him about Jesus. And I remember this moment when I knew unto God I had to resolve the issues that we had because his life was just as important as mine. That his soul was worthy to be saved just as much as mine was. And we went on a journey of renewal of relationship that ended up with him getting saved and becoming a Christian, encountering Jesus. Renewal. There is a power in renewal. And tonight what we're about to do is I'd love to invite us all to stand to our feet in this moment. And we're gonna sing through this song. And the song's called, I Need You. And I really believe that this whole place of renewal, it does come from a place of us knowing God. But being humble enough to know that we need God. You need God. I need God. Right now, I'd love if you could just close your eyes if you feel comfortable and just raise your hands. I'd love to pray for us just as we're about to worship. God, I thank You right now for all of us in the room tonight. I pray, Lord, that we would have a renewed spirit within us for a hunger. We hunger and we thirst for You tonight, Lord. God, I thank You right now that You would ignite something afresh in our hearts and the testimonies we've heard of what You have done, God. We open up our hearts in a posture to say, God, would You renew our spirit? Would You renew our mindsets? Would You renew our strength tonight, God? Because we wanna see people come to know You. Lord, would You renew our hearts to burn a blaze for You tonight to say, God, we want more of You. We need You. More than the air that we breathe, God, we need You. You've done great things, but You're doing great things right here and now, God. And I thank You that we come open-hearted, ready, willing to encounter You tonight, Jesus. We need You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus.